Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. This is Kristen. And this is Molly. Uh, Molly, breast cancer has been in the news a lot this week, and it's heartbreaking news, honestly. Um, there was a 10-year-old, Hannah Powell Alslam, who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then there was some follow-up news of an eight-year-old girl who was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And it really caught a lot of women's attention because we think of breast cancer and ovarian cancer as something that really affects people, maybe our mother's age. Um, but it is, in fact, something that can happen to to girls this young. Mm -hmm. So that kind of got me thinking about breast cancer and why it's so prevalent among women and, um, what else is going on with, uh, with prevention. Right. And at the same time that all of this, uh, sad news was coming out, there were also reports that the ACLU had, uh, sort of organized a lawsuit against myriad genetics, which holds the patent on uh, the breast cancer genes, breast cancer gene 1 and breast cancer gene 2, which from here on out we're just going to say BRCA. Um, the lawsuit challenges the, the patents that this company holds on these two genes, which occur naturally in the body. Um, about 20% of human genes are patented, so they're not the only ones that have patents, but um, since Myriad was the first to sequence this gene, they've had this patent on it for a few years, and... ACLU says this is unconstitutional. Right, because Myriad Genetics has used uh, this patented gene in order to develop testing for BRCA. They're, it's the only company right now that is legally allowed to conduct testing for BRCA1 and BRCA2. And uh, the ACLU is concerned about quality assurance and whether or not uh, more competition in the marketplace would lower the cost barrier and all those factors surrounding it because breast cancer is, is, is so prevalent among women. Right. And especially these, you know, you were talking about how you're concerned, especially about younger women. And I think that they're the ones who would be most interested in getting a genetic test to find out if they're carriers of BRCA1 and BRCA2. Basically, uh, you can have a blood test. They'll sequence the your DNA. And if you carry an altered form of this gene, then your chances just skyrocket that you will have breast cancer. Uh, you know, all women walking around today in the world, there's a 13 percent chance of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But if you're carrying this gene, you're three to seven times more likely to develop breast cancer. And what's striking about it is with this gene, you don't get it in old age. You get it long before menopause. Right. Um, because you're, as you age, your chances for, for breast cancer steadily increases to where when you hit 50, you have a one in 50 chance of developing breast cancer. But like you said, if you are a BRCA carri- a carrier, there's a much higher chance that you will develop it long before menopause. So let's talk a little bit more about what this gene test entails and who all should get it because not every female should just walk into the doctor's office and ask for the BRCA gene test, right? No, it's too expensive to do that. Um, and basically, it's not like all the can- breast cancer in the world is caused by BRCA. Of the about 192,000 American women 
uh, learn they have breast cancer each year, only 5 to 10% of those cases are hereditary, which would mean that they had a gene that caused the disease. So the, the BRCA gene test is reserved for women who would be in these higher risk groups. And, uh, women, for instance, who might, who might be at more risk for having this gene mutation would have, uh, personal breast cancer diagnosis, a family history of breast cancer at a young age in two or more close relatives, uh, a family history in more than one generation, a male relative with breast cancer, because Molly, we can't forget that while it is rare, men can develop breast cancer as well. Um, a family member with bilateral breast cancer, as in breast uh, cancer in both of the breasts, um, and a family member who has both breast and ovarian cancers, and women of uh, Eastern European Jewish ancestry. Right. So those are the high-risk groups. And if they so choose, a lot of people don't really want to know, you know, essentially, you know, you find out interesting things about your DNA if you choose to undergo genetic testing. You're basically finding out things, you know, you might have a 50-50 chance of getting. You could go in and find out your carrier for this gene or that you're not, which is already going to cause some maybe drama in your family. Mm -hmm. If, you know, your sister's a carrier and you're not. Uh, but then you've got to decide if I am positive for this gene, what am I going to do about it? Because it's not just because you carry this gene, it's not a guarantee you are going to have cancer. Right. It just means that you have, uh, a much higher risk probably for developing breast cancer or ovarian cancer. And one of the things that the Mayo Clinic, uh, really urges women who are thinking about getting the, the gene testing is to meet with a genetic counselor and really go over the potential psychological impacts of getting genetic testing. Because like you said, I mean, if you find out that you are a carrier of this mutation, you are then going to have to make some very tough decisions about your body. Right, Kristen. So let's let's talk about, like, let's say you get the positive test result that you have the BRCA gene. Uh, what are your options? Let's go over those real quick. Okay. Um, the first thing that you can do, which is, I guess, the, the least invasive step that you could take, would just be increased screening. Uh, you might bump your clinical breast exams to every six months and having mammograms every year. And your doctor might actually recommend that you have breast MRIs, which are a more detailed look inside of the breast to, to keep a, um, keep a closer watch on whether any cancer could be developing. And then at the other side of the spectrum, probably the most invasive thing you could do would be to remove essentially all your breast tissue in order to reduce the chance that a tumor would develop in that tissue. So basically you'd have a preventive mastectomy. Mm -hmm. um, and this would reduce your breast cancer risk by about 90%. Um, and then you also have an option of removing healthy fallopian tubes and ovaries, which would uh, reduce your breast cancer risk by about 50% and reduce your risk of developing ovarian cancer by about 90%. But Molly, I mean, those are, those are pretty extreme surgeries to make before you even know that you have surgery. In this article that we were reading in the New York Times of kind of tracking this, um, 30 year old woman's decision to have a preventative mastectomy really gave insight into, um, how much you have to think about, like what kind of a burden it is, like talking to your family about it. This woman um, had a pretty strong family history of breast cancer. Her mother had breast cancer. She watched her go through chemotherapy and 
she was just terrified that she would have to go through the same thing and ended up choosing to get the preventative mastectomy. But it certainly wasn't, you know, an an easy decision to come to. Right. Part of the thing you're going to have to consider, especially if you're at that young of age, I believe she was 33 and she was unmarried. Uh, You know, women have a lot of issues tied up in their body about what makes them attractive, what makes them, you know, essentially feminine and your breasts and your ability to have children are two of those main things. So she was dating a guy at the time and was trying to sort of uh, suss out how he felt about plastic surgery. And, you know, if she would have breasts that weren't real, that wouldn't be able to breastfeed one day. Uh, so it's a very loaded decision to have to make based on a, you know, based on a test result that doesn't say necessarily you're going to have cancer, but it does say you have an extremely high chance of having cancer. Mm -hmm. And there is one other option. It's called chemo prevention, which is basically where you start taking uh, the drugs that you would take if you were undergoing breast cancer treatment as sort of a preventative measure. Mm -hmm. And then maybe one day they hope that they will uh, be able to do gene therapy, perhaps alter these genes uh, but this gets back to why there might be a patent on this, uh, because what can happen sometimes when you have this test is instead of getting the positive or the negative, you have an ambiguous result. Right. Um, there was a study that's found that about 10% of women undergoing BRCA testing had ambiguous or uncertain test results. They don't know whether it's positive or negative. So that just kind of leaves them back at the drawing board. So in that case, you know, for any other medical procedure where you get sort of a, you know, ambiguous result, you'd be able to have another test. But that's sort of the problem. One of the problems at heart of this ACLU lawsuit is because Marriott Genetics is the only company that has this, uh, has the right to administer this test. There's no sort of, um, second opinion available to women. Mm-hmm. And Marriott Genetics are the only labs that are legally allowed to, uh, to perform the testing. And while there haven't been any studies that have said that, uh, other labs doing kind of backup testing would improve, um, the, rate of false positives and false negatives, um, the ACLU thinks that it should still be an open option. Right. That you should be able to get that second opinion. Or let's say, you know, a lot of women go in and they're concerned based on their family history. They're convinced they have this gene and then mm-hmm. they get a negative. It's almost like you still can't believe it until you have some sort of further proof. Right. And even if you get a negative, we can't forget that uh, no matter what, every woman has about a 13% chance BRCA gene or no BRCA gene of developing breast cancer. So just to review, now that we know why you might want to take this test and know sort of your odds and your options, we'll just go over real quick again why it would matter if this gene had a patent. Obviously, uh, you know, the treatment for breast cancer is very extreme. It's hard on the body. Uh, obviously people think that if you know what the breast cancer gene is, you can do a lot of work in terms of research. Mm-hmm of prevention and cure. And right now, Myriad is basically sitting on this gene. They're probably doing their own research, but a lot of scientists would like to get in on that action. Right. And Molly, didn't didn't you read an article in CNN that was saying that that even though a lot about 20% of, of sequenced genes are patented, uh, the court is kind of selecting this as its test case? That's sort of what a lot of legal scholars think is that, you know, because you know, so many women are affected by this and, you know, men have lost a spouse to this, daughters to this, that why wouldn't you open up the breast cancer gene when it, when breast cancer is so prevalent? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to go over those stats again, um, cancer in younger women, uh, under 30 is rare, accounting for about one and a half percent of all breast cancer cases. But then at the age of 40, our chances go up to one in 217 
by 50, we've got a 1 in 50 chance. And if we live to be 85, the odds of developing breast cancer are 1 in 8. So it's pretty staggering. This case is definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, we don't know how it'll shake out. And, you know, part of the issue thing here is also price. They don't know if the price of the exam would be lowered by competition on the market. But for reasons of that quality assurance for the research, that's why the ACLU is saying that people should have the ability to have access to a gene that is already in their body. Right, Molly. And I think that if we, we're talking about breast cancer, even if you aren't in the high risk group and might want to consider getting the BRCA gene testing, I think that it is worth um, mentioning that women in our 20s and 30s should have a clinical breast exam as part of a periodic health exam by a health professional, preferably every three years. And after 40, that breast exam should happen every year in addition to mammograms. Because a 12% chance, Molly, is nothing that you want to gamble with. Of course not. So if you want more information on breast cancer and the breast cancer genes, head on over to HowStuffWorks.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for me and Molly, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?